This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good evening, everybody. I'm so, so glad to be here and so glad that you are with us tonight. So thank you for coming back. And I just want to thank Apostle C and Dr. Bev once again for this opportunity of being able to share with you. And I really believe this is going to bless your heart. It really blessed mine when I was preparing it. A few times I was getting even teary and, and I don't do the teary thing a lot. So that's a big deal for me. But can we just bow our heads for a moment, family, and pray. Father, we just love you so much. We want to thank you for your beautiful anointing in this place already, Father. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word. We want to thank you for your Holy Spirit that is the teacher. And Holy Spirit, I give myself completely to you. And thank you that you minister to our hearts tonight that which you have for us, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, that, that your word would just fall like, like spring rains on, on fresh plants, Lord, and bring growth in our lives. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus and give you alone glory and praise and honor for everything that is achieved in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, well, it's so, so good, as I said, to have you with us. And tonight, I really, um, you may want to actually take your Bibles out and take your phones out and take your notepads out and everything, because I really want to do kind of an in-depth teaching, um, kind of more like a Bible study, and it really is something more that's sort of on the deep end of the pool, Okay, so I believe that there are going to be some nuggets that are really going to, to really change and enrich our walk with the Lord. And I really want to go in the deep end of the pool on the subject of worship. And it isn't really something that I've, I've really covered before, because I want to take it very much from a theological standpoint. Amen? So, as you know, our, our theme for the month is significance, but our series that we're starting tonight is called My Church. Now, the first thing, family, I want to talk about is how our church, and I mean, the one thing about our church is we are a church that's passionate, amen? We're passionate about the way that we love God, and you can see that in our worship. In actual fact, we are known for this way that we worship. It's one of the things that even guest speakers, international guest speakers say about this church, is that you can see that we are passionately in love with God by the way that we worship. It's like in the book of Psalms. You know, it's just like we've got our hands raised and, and we're shouting to God and, and, and it's just so beautiful and we're weeping and, and we're kneeling and we've got our hands lifted and all of those expressions because we love God so much. And tonight, we're going to see from a theological viewpoint why that is so important. And so the name of my message or the title of my message is Made for Worship. And the first thing that we all need to know is this, is that we are all worshiping something. So you may say, you know what, this is actually not my gig, okay? But let me tell you something. You are worshiping something. Everybody does. Everybody is showing their, their, their affections to something, their time, their energy is going somewhere, right? That love expression, whatever it might be, is going towards something. So here's the thing with worship. Worship is our response. Worship is actually defined as being our response to what we value the most. So we can always see what it is 
somebody is worshipping or values by the time, the amount of time and loyalty and money and, and whatever it else might be would go into that thing. So it, it may be shopping, it, it may be golf, it may be your football team, it may be God. Now God doesn't mind that you have things that you enjoy, right? The only thing that he doesn't like is if we are worshipping something more than him. In fact, we know that the first commandment says, God says to us, he says that we are to have no other gods before me, right? So you can have other things, but God says, have no other gods before me. I want to be first. And that's why we do church on the first day of the week. And that's why there's a whole lot of things that are first. But we're not getting there today. But one of the problems and something we need to be careful of and to avoid is that we do not exchange our worship, right? So we can, we can, we, let me say that again. We can exchange the thing that we worship from God to something else, and that's the thing we need to be careful of. In actual fact, I'm not going to read it tonight for the sake of time, but in Romans chapter 1, Paul describes this reprobate nation. It's a whole reprobate generation, and I really encourage you to go and work it, read it, because he describes that they became reprobate. It's sort of warped in their thinking of God. Okay? But one of, the, one of the interesting phrases that he says in Romans 1 is that they exchanged the creation from the creator. They, they started worshipping the thing that was created instead of the one who created it. They forgot, and it says that their minds became became darkened and their actions became futile and it actually says that they became perverted in a lot of their ways. So the point really that I'm trying to make here, family, is that we don't end up there. That we don't actually let me let me take you to where it first happened. You know, I'm going to show you talk about the first worshipper. Who was the first worship leader? Who was the first worshipper? I'm sure you've all got something in your mind. Who's the first worshiper in Scripture? You see, any time you do a word study or study for teaching, it's always good to go back to what is called the law of first. In other words, the law of first mentioned that the purest thing is to go back to the original. So I'm going to take you back to the original. And I want to talk to you really about this first worshiper. And, and, and of course, I mean, if you've been in church for a while, you'll know I'm talking about one of God's angels. And his name was Lucifer, right? Now, there are actually three named angels in the Bible. Okay, so just stay with me. What I want to try and do is just lay a little bit of a foundation, and then we're going to see how it all comes together. You'll see it kind of ties together, and you're going to say, oh, my goodness, okay, I see how it all fits, right? So the three named angels in the Bible. So there's a lot of angels, but there are only three of them that actually have been given names that are named in the Scriptures. Okay, so one of them, his name is Michael, okay, and we really see Michael, he's always involved with prayer, and Michael shows up really in Daniel chapter 10, you'll remember that when Daniel was doing his 21-day fast, okay, and comes up on, on, on the 21st day, and Michael shows up there, and what's interesting about this conversation, and just on a side note here, is that he, he says this to, to Daniel, he says, on the first Listen, on the first day that you prayed, I heard you, and, and I was coming. 
but a demonic principality, and he calls it the Prince of Persia. He says, a demonic principality came and withstood me, right? And he says, and I've been up there fighting on your behalf all this time, and now I'm here to answer your prayers. So family, what I want to say to you here is, that's why we never stop praying. You see, when, when we stop praying, then power is unleashed. Good stuff. That's what happens. We create this power and changes the atmosphere. So Michael is always involved with prayer, and you'll see that through the Bible. And the second one that we see has got a name is Gabriel. And Gabriel is actually the one we see in the Christmas story. He was the one who actually came to Mary, and, and we heard about it this morning. Dr. Bear spoke about it, right? And he says, you're going to get pregnant. It's not going to be by a man. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit. And, well, you know the story, right? So he's always involved in giving a message. So there's always prayer, and then there's always the Word. And then we have Lucifer. Now, Lucifer was the angel in heaven who was always involved in worship. And I'm going to show you, really, and it's really it's taught in two places in the Old Testament and in some in the New Testament as well. But it's about the part that Lucifer played. And by the way, just a bit of time out here as well. I want to just give you a side message, and that is that these are actually the three main parts of Christianity, right? So this is what you'll see. We always try and include it in all of our, our services as well because there's going to be a time of worship, there's going to be a time of prayer, and there's going to be a time of the Word. And the best way for us really to grow in the things of the Lord is really to include those three times with Him. And if that's something that you're new to, why don't you just sort of take five minutes of worship, five minutes of reading the Bible, and, and five minutes of praying. And, you know, that's like 15 minutes. Build it up from there, but divide it up in that way. Amen? So my personal belief, and I don't have a specific scripture for this, and I'm always going to tell you that, right? If I feel there's not clarity. So, but I believe that there's enough scripture to make this really something that I think this could be the case. That I actually think that of all the angels that there are, I really believe that they're kind of divided up into these three camps, right? So you've got the same amount of prayer angels and the same amount of worship angels and the same amount of, what was the other one I said? Word. Okay, I'm getting myself muddled up here. So, okay, so the reason that I think so, so you've got the worship, you've got the word, and then you've got the... Got the, the just want to see if you're listening. You are. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, because we know that in Revelation, it actually records, right, in Revelation 12, it actually says that a third of the angels, when Satan fell, a third of the angels went with him. Right? And we know those now are the demons. But family, by the way, that means that there are two-thirds on the other side. Amen? So I'm just throwing that out there. You know, people are like, oh, demons, demons, demons. Two angels to every demon? Come on. So there's two places in the Old Testament that really describe this event that took place when Satan fell from heaven, right? So he was on God's team, and he was kind of a vice president. Okay, these are the three vice presidents of heaven, as it were. All right, so they were on God's team, and they were doing things, and they were overseeing things, and all of those things. And, and really, I want to show you two places in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, so that's where we're going to be going. But I just want to ask you right now, don't get distracted. This is one of these sort of deep end of the pool things, okay? And if you're reading your Bible at the head of this, 
you may see it says that it says this is to the king of Babylon. And I'm saying that it's Lucifer, but your Bible says it's the king of Babylon. But you see, when Isaiah prophesied, he was prophesying to the spirit, which is Lucifer, in the king of Babylon. It's the same thing as when Jesus spoke to Peter. Remember he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He was addressing the spirit inside that was operating in Peter at that moment. And that's what's happening here. So in Isaiah 14 verse 12, it says this, how you have fallen from heaven. And right there, we can see that he's speaking here. He's not addressing the king of Babylon, right? He's speaking to the spirit. Okay? So that is Lucifer we're talking about right here. So it says, how you have fallen from heaven. Look at this. Morning star, sun of the dawn. Right? It says, you have been cast down to the earth. You once who laid low the nations. But here's what's interesting. Most scholars actually believe that this event took place between Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and verse 2, like in that place. A lot of scholars believe, in fact, and here it's very interesting, that there's kind of a mark at the end of Genesis 1-1 that kind of denotes like a period, and it doesn't mean I go to the next sentence. It actually means like a space of in time, right? And some of you may want to dig into that. If you get to that, then ask the master's dean over there. He'll help you. Just kidding, right? But again, this is one of those theories. It could be true. I said deep into the pool. It's called the gap theory, okay? But let's carry on. He says, how you have fallen, okay? So he carries on and he says, you who once laid low the nations. Look at this. You said in your heart, family, and really, the moment that he says, you said in your heart, and this is in, in Isaiah 14, verse 12, it says, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne. And what I want you to see here is, there's the five I wills. Can you see that? I will, right? I will do all of these things. And the other thing, he says, I will raise my throne above the stars of God. What I want you to see here is, all of these things that are, are lifted high, right? I will ascend, I will raise above the stars, enthroned on the Mount of the Heights. And so he carries on, um, um, the Mount of Zaphon. I will ascend, look at this. Okay, I don't know what happened there. I will ascend above the tops of the, of the clouds. I will make myself, and this is amazing to me, because this is the thing, that Satan, that's what Satan called God, the Most High. And that's the thing that irritates Satan the most, is he didn't like the fact that God was the most high. But how many of you know that our God is the most high God? Amen. There is none above him, which is again, family, why God takes it personally when we put other things above him, right? That's why, family, we need to be so careful what we worship. We need to be so careful what we love more than God. Because you see, what we're doing then is we're actually doing exactly the same thing that Satan did. And that's kind of dangerous. Okay, so, so in the verse, okay, what, what you see then is, let me just take you to the next one. He says, your pomp has brought you down to shell. So what he's saying is, because you were so prideful, we threw you to the pit of the earth, right? To shell. He says, the sound of your, now watch this, the sound of your stringed instruments. 
In other words, and most scholars believe this again, Fleming said he didn't play the instrument, he was the instrument. If you had to see him, he would look like a stringed instrument. Now, I really don't know what that looks like. Maybe one day we'll see. Okay. But I'll show you how this, this all ties together. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. So we're going to jump now to Ezekiel 28 because he says the same thing. And once again, I believe, let me just show you here. All right. If you see over here, he's now speaking to the king of Tyre. So he's speaking once again to the spirit, right? He was addressing the spirit of Lucifer in the king of Tyre. And he says this. He says, I want to look at this part over here. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Watch this. He says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, right there, we can see that he's obviously not speaking about the king of, that, of, of Tyre, right? So he says, you were there at the beginning. So you remember the beginning, right? There was the snake and the tree and the apple and all those things. <laughs> You're all with me. Okay, but now watch this. It says... Uh, let me go back one. Okay, it says, you, and it says, every precious stone adorns you. Now, I don't want to teach on this right at this moment, but I want you to save this in your mind because we're going to come back to this, and it's really, really cool. Okay, he says, okay, you can change my slide. Thank you. Okay, every precious stone. Watch these stones over here. Carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. God not only made him a stringed instrument family, but he adorned him with all these beautiful stones. And then he says this. He says, your settings and mountings were made of gold. Now, I know that sounds a little bit confusing, but I'm going to show this to you right now. He says, your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day that you were Created, they were prepared. So what the Bible is describing here is he's describing what Satan looked like. Okay? But now let me take you to a separate, a different translation, and you're going to see what that means. It says, The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day they were created. Now, timbrels, how many of you know, are symbols. It's a musical instrument. Right? And pipes are talking like something about a, a, a flute. Some of you are noticing this. Some of you are getting this. If you like musically inclined, you're like, okay. He's just described every kind of musical instrument that there is. So not only was he a stringed instrument, okay, he was not only made beautiful and adorned by God with all these precious metals and stones and everything, and he himself didn't play it. He was it. Amen? He was a percussion instrument. He was also a wind instrument. Right? Now, you may know this in music that there are really only three kinds of instruments. Right? There are stringed instruments. Okay? Those are obviously the ones that you blow. Right? And one could also even put a piano. Sorry, stringed instruments are ones that you would pluck at your guitar, your banjos, and things like that. Okay? Then, actually, in a way, you know, a piano could be that as well, but you would really only use that um, when you hit the notes. So it kind of mixes into being a percussion instrument as well. Amen? So you have stringed instruments, right? It's something you would pluck. You have a percussion instrument, which is something that you would hit. And then you would have the wind instruments, which are the ones that you would blow. You're all with me. Now, if you have a symphony orchestra, what they would normally do is they actually separate those three sections. 
Okay, so you would have like, the wind and the strings and the percussions. He was all of those. He was every single one of those. Here's what you need to catch. He was music. Right? It goes on to say that not only did he have these precious jewels covering him, making him beautiful, not only was he a stringed instrument and a percussion instrument and a wind instrument family, he was also anointed. Look at this. Right? You were anointed as a guardian cherub. Family, so it says, so I ordained you. God chose, now watch this, peace and misses. God chose to put an anointing on music, right? Not just worship, it's all of music, because all of music was supposed to be, it was supposed to be worship, right? And remember that the anointings of God is irrevocable. That's why people go crazy for music stars. That's why we can have an event and the intro song is going to set really the, the whole tone of that event. Amen? I mean, even with your spouse, you've got this, you know, this is our song. God chose to do that. And you're going to see that in, in, in a moment, right? But music has got a lot of power. We need to understand this on the bad side and on the good side. And I'm not saying anything really to, to upset you, but really be careful what you're listening to. I'm very careful about listening to secular music. If we felt the anointing of God on the worship tonight, you need to understand that there is an anointing on that stuff too. And we need to be careful that we don't have this unholy exchange in our worship. Let's have a look at Ezekiel 28, verse 14. Uh, let me just see where I am now. Okay. Just go back once again. You were anointed as a guardian chair, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. Okay, carry on. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Now watch this. Through your widespread trade, this is Bible talk over here, through your widespread trade, you exchanged it. The Bible is saying this is where you went wrong. You traded it. You exchanged that thing that was supposed to, you used something that I gave you that was supposed to be for the glory of God and you used it for something else. Now, family, we need to be careful. That's why I'm saying be careful what we listen to. I mean, I don't ever want to put my convictions on anybody else. But really, family, we need to be careful what we listen to. I want to, say, I want to just say to you, give room and say, say to yourself, what should I be listening to? Should this thing be on my playlist? Is this something I should be singing, singing with all the time? Right? And then he says this. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the, the fiery stones. He says that this, your, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings, and that there was the event. Like, you know, really, and family, even Jesus, he, he describes this as well. I mean, you see in, in Luke chapter 10, right, Jesus had given his disciples some power to go out, and, and, and they went out, and, and they came back, and they're like, oh, my goodness, even, even the, 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 the demons are listening to us. They did, and they did everything. But they're so excited. The Bible says they came back saying, oh, my goodness, all of this stuff is happening. And Jesus is like, you know what, that's nothing. I was there on the day it happened. Okay, and this was the day Jesus saw. He says, I was there when Dad did it. I want you to see this. Okay, in Luke chapter 10, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. That's kind of funny to me, actually. 
Because, you know, most people imagine powerful Satan, powerful God, and it's like a Star Wars movie, and it carries on for like two hours, and then sometimes even the bad guy wins. What I'm saying, that is not how this happened. I mean, it was, if it was a movie, it would have been finished in a millisecond. Right, bam, he fell like lightning, and that was it. Well, that's just awesome to me, right? It's just over. He fell from heaven. Just awesome. I just love that. Okay, but now there's a problem because what we have is we've still got Michael, right? He's there. He's still helping us pray and fighting our battles for us. And Gabriel's still there, and he's giving us messages, right? But now there is an unemployed angel in heaven, okay? So there's this vacancy in the area of worship. So my question is, why didn't God put another angel in that spot? Here's a question then. Who is the, who is the new worship leader? Right? And the answer is, it's you and me. Yeah. Right? And that's so interesting to me. Okay, so I can imagine that, <laughs> I just find it amazing that God didn't have an angel, he had an angel position, he didn't have an angel replacement for that. Right? But here's the thing. I want you to remember that this happened before Adam was created, that Satan fell. And God's going, I know what I'll do. I'm going to give this to humans. And that's the reason that the devil hates you so much. You've got to know that, okay? So I'll just, I'll just go ahead now and, and give you this big reveal that you, family, you have all three of those as well. You have stringed instruments. You right here have got what's called vocal cords. Have you ever seen a piano when it's been hit? Piano string, how it vibrates. God has given you stringed instruments. You have strings, right? And then you have a wind instrument, Right here, it's called your lungs, okay? And what happens is, is that it pushes air past those strings and creates a song. And then you have these bad boys right in front of us. You have got your percussion right there. So you have it. The question is, are we using it? Are we worshiping? Are we doing this? Now, I'm just going to show you right now how God did it and why God did it and what our response should be. And here's the first one. It is... The how, okay? And God has made us to be like himself. Watch this. God made me from him, okay? So I want to go back quickly to the creation story because in the creation account, God actually used two words. He used one word, which was create, and he used another one that was to make, okay? So to create something, firstly, is to form something out of nothing, right? God did that with light. He said, let there be light, and bam, man, there was light. Okay? Then, secondly, to make something is to form something out of something that already exists. Now, I'm going to show you an example of this in Genesis um, chapter 1, verse 11. All right, what we see is then God said, let the land, the dirt, produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land. So there were some things in creation that were created, and there were some things in the creation account that were made. So why were some things created? Think about that. Because God decided that there would be nothing that would be connected to it. And then why were some things made? Now this I want you to see. God wanted there to be a relationship between the thing that he made and the thing that it came from. I want you to stay with me now because this is really going to bless you. Because he says this, I know what I'm going to do here. 
I'm, on some things I'm going to create them, right? So I'll create the land and the earth, okay? But then what I'm going to do is I'm going to I'm going to form something so the land will be there, but the trees and the vegetation will come from the earth. So there will always be a connection between the two. In other words, they will be in a relationship. You see that? So then, so they made from the dirt, right? They sustained by the dirt, and one day that tree is going to go back and return to the, the dirt. The same is true of Adam and Eve, okay? What happened was is he made Adam from the dirt. But when he made Eve, he took a bone out of Adam and he created Eve, right? And in fact, you know that thing that they say, the first thing that he saw when he, when he saw Eve, he said, whoa, man! Okay, that's just one of those jokes you've heard. That's why we call the woman, okay? That's why we are called woman. And he said, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And I want you to get this, family. The reason that he took Eve out of Adam is because he always wanted there to be a relationship between the two. Okay, but here's really the kicker. When God made mankind, where did he make mankind from? Have a look at this. God says, hey, let's make people. Look here. Hey, let's make mankind in our image. Let's make people, but let's make them from us. Why? Because he wanted us to come from him, to be sustained by him, and return to him. Now, some of you I know, you're thinking, no, 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 no. (laughs) Amen. You're saying that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we were made from dust. Your body was made from dust. And your body was made from dust. It's sustained by dust with all the stuff that we eat, right? And it's going to return to dust. But family, your spirit was made by God. It's sustained by God, and it returns to God. Amen? So that's the how. I want to show you now what is the why. Okay, God made me to be with him. And that's really the point number two, that God made us, and he did it in such a way that we'd be connected to him. That's why we are made from him, but be in a relationship with him, right? He never wanted there to be religion. He always wanted there to be relationship. Do you know how we know that? Because he already had angels doing this stuff. Some people say, you know what, I know God just wants us to work for him, you know, and, and we've got this kind of warped feeling that we're servants of God and that we can never really get to know him. But he already had that in the angels. He already had angels doing all these things, you know, fighting battles for us. In fact, in Isaiah, it says there are two angels. I mean, all they do is they go, holy, 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 holy. That's all they do. God wants relationship. And this is the reason that we got born again, right? God, I mean, people just, they don't get it, that God really wants to be in a relationship with us. I want you to... show you this in Ephesians 5 and verse 31 I mean this really talks about how to get your marriage right God's way and and it says this it says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and what the two will become one flesh and that sounds so beautiful and we read it at weddings you know but then God says hey hang on actually that's not even what I'm talking about he says this is a profound mystery but I'm talking about Christ and the church 
I was actually making you think about the most beautiful love relationship on the earth, right? Between a man and his bride. And God saying, I would sure love to have that. I would truly love to have that. I mean, we need to understand that God's greatest desire is for that relationship. I mean, family, he didn't just want paid, created angels just doing what they're supposed to do. He wanted, he created man so we would have a free will, that we could choose him, that we could be a part of that relationship out of our own free will. So many people just have got this idea that one day when we go to heaven, we're going to be this little person sitting on a cloud playing the harp, <laughs> singing in the choir for 10,000 hours. And Apostle Fia definitely cleared that up for us, right? Do you know what one of the things that's going to happen when we go to heaven? In fact, the first thing that's going to happen, the Father God is going to be standing there with his arm out, and he's going to be walking us down the aisle, and we're going to be wed to Jesus. And family, then after the wedding takes place, there's going to be this huge wedding reception like you've never seen before. And there's, there's going to be, it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there's going to be food and there's going to be drink and there's going to be laughter. It's going to be like the best wedding reception ever that you've seen in times a million, right? Family, and then there's going, to be, there's going to be even more happiness because at last Jesus is going to have his bride, his relationship. Have a look at this in, in Revelation. I mean, he's showing him around. It says over here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He's so excited. He says, I want to show you what she looks like. And it's going to be the church, everybody. That's who it's going to be. I mean, it carries on. It says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven of God. And he's going to say, let me show you the house, church. Let me show you the, the house I've been preparing for you all this time in heaven. Now I want you to see this. The foundation of the city walls that were decorated with every kind of precious stone. So what he had taken, what he had stripped those from Lucifer when he fell, Family has been holding on to them since Genesis 1 verse 2. Ladies, let me just tell you this about men. I mean, <laughs> these guys, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Men love adorning their wives with bling bling, with shiny stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's fun for Jesus to just say, look what I have for you. So let's have a look here. The first foundation was jasper, sapphire, agate, emerald, onyx, ruby, Crystallite, beryl, topaz, turquoise, all of these things, family, that he has kept for you and me. So he made us to be strings instruments. We have the wind instruments, we have the percussion instruments. Then he adorns us, and that's the why, family, because he is totally in love with you and me, and he wants to be in a relationship. And the only thing he now wants is a response. See, God made me for him, to be with him, to love him back. That's all he wants. I mean, I said this morning, if you really want to know what God really wants more than anything else, is that you must just love him back in as many expressive, beautiful, personal ways that you can possibly think about. 
last verse I'm going to quickly go through now is in John chapter 4, right? And this is saying that really Jesus said this. He said the time is coming and now come. And by the way, it couldn't come until Jesus came, right? Because he had to pay for, the, for our sins so that he could put God and the church back together again. And when that happens, he says they will, the true worshippers will worship the Father. Right now, I want you to see this word, worship the Father, in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Now, what's interesting, and some of you know, that sometimes there isn't really an English word for the Greek, you know, so they're just, what they do then is they'll create a word, and worship is one of those words, because in the Greek, the word is proskuneia. You know what it means? Proskuneia, the definition of proskuneia is to kiss. I mean, a lot of people are like, what? God wants us to kiss him? But you see, that's the reason. This is not talking like the kiss between two lovers, right? And, and that's not really the word at all. And that's the reason they couldn't put it there. Because, I mean, you know, just imagine you know, people saying, God wants us to kiss him. It just wouldn't sound right in, in that verse, would it? But it really means, the verb really means, and you can look this up, it means to kiss the hand. It literally translates to kiss the hand. So it's like, you know, when, when somebody that you really honor, I mean, in some translation, it, it speaks about a dog jumping on your lap and, and licking your hand. That's the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks. How many of you know that when you, when you come home and your dog is so happy to see you? I mean, we used to have a little dog that when we got home, he used to go around, around the garden at 100 miles an hour. And I used to think this dog's going to do, do himself an injury. But that's what God's saying. He's home, he's home, he's home. It's Sunday, it's Sunday, it's Sunday. Let's go to church. And he, that's what he's looking for. I mean, you think it's kind of weird, but let me tell you, you want the sand. Imagine you go away somewhere. There's nobody to meet you, nobody to greet you, nobody happy to see you. And then imagine you come home and there's everybody standing and they're cheering and they've got balloons and they're so happy to see you. Which one would you rather have? God is no different. He just wants you to love him. He wants to be loved. He wants to be kissed. He wants to be appreciated. He wants to know you. So I'm going to ask you if you just bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Father, we just thank you for your beautiful love. But right now, I want to ask you this question. You just may say, you know what, I never thought about it like that. I, I really want to be in this relationship with God. I really want to love him back. I really want to show him how much I love him. And the first thing you need to do is you need to receive the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus gave so that we can be united with God. So I'm going to pray with you in a moment if that's you and going to give you a chance to do that. And maybe you've been born again and maybe during this time you say you know I just feel so far away from God and I really want to I want to get passionate with God again I want to renew my covenant with God tonight or maybe you're just not sure that you ever are going to be going to heaven now if any one of those three I'm going to ask you in a moment if you would just raise your hand if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior if you want to rededicate your life to God if you really want to be sure that you've got a place in heaven, I want to ask you right now, you guys are in the other venues as well, view online, right there where you are, I'm going to ask you if you would just raise your hand real high. I can see a hand going up already. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for raising your hands right now. Just raise them up. You want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You want to love him back. 
just raise your hands right there where you are. I'm going to ask you if you would just repeat this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, let's everybody say it together. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid to set me free, to be, for me to be part of your bride. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you took my sin, that you made me whole, and I receive you now as my personal Lord and my Savior. I am now saved. I am born again. And I forgive all those who have ever hurt me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.